The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance stand? Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. Now, today, I am joined by a nationally recognized draft analyst and our own draft analyst here at BGN and BGN Radio, the great Benjamin Solak. Ben, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. What, what is the nationally recognized thing? Why do you keep calling well, you me were, this? You were on uh, the athletic football show. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, but that's that's big. I listen to Pod yeah. uh, weekly. Yeah, that no, that's that was a really good show, and that was a good time. I yeah, uh, I wasn't sure why I was being called nationally recognized. Um, but no, I I enjoyed talking with Robert. He was a lot of fun, and yeah, during the draft cycle, man, you end up doing like I'll do a radio hit, and I will not remember what area of the country I'm in. So they'll start asking me about teams. I'm like, oh, Green Bay. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's that's who we're talking about today. Yeah, you have to know, you know, who the third linebacker is on the Packers, just in case they're asking you about the depth they could get for you on some Milwaukee radio station. Uh, or in Burks. Like the round sevens. It's Oren Burks. Oh, God. There you go. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> All right, so one thing that people are popping off on Eagles Twitter about today is there was this report on Inside the Birds, a podcast from Adam Kaplan and Jeff Mosier, an Eagles podcast, obviously, talking about the potential of the Eagles – taking Rashawn Slater, Kaplan said today, I know he said different things over the last couple of months, specifically today, that if, if Slater was there, he'd be the pick. Now, we've talked a little bit about Slater on Twitter. The the reaction mostly from Eagles Twitter and Eagles fans seemed to be that a little bit upset. Obviously, taking an offensive lineman doesn't have the sexiness that comes with you know a premium wide receiver or the way these the top two cornerbacks have been talked about for the last several months. Uh, but there's a little bit difference there than someone like Sewell from Oregon, whereas Sean Slater mm-hmm. projects as an offensive tackle, but that can be better suited closer inside the line at guard or potentially maybe even center. So where do you stand on him? Do you think he can be an offensive tackle at the next level? Do you think he's better fit as a guard? Is it better to have him as a pro bowl guard rather than just an above average tackle? Can he play left and right tackle? And do you think that's worth a pick for the, for the Eagles? I'm going to send the Sixers after that MB right. shot last, and I got them on my mind. Uh, I think that projects well as a – fine pick for the for the eagles yeah i i would like it i also would not be surprised uh in terms of the way the eagles have typically invested on the offensive line under high roseman for the last you know decade of high roseman kind of either being in the front office or running the front office or whatever uh 
I don't think Slater will be there. Uh, and so if he's there, he's the pick is kind of a difficult sort of a thing to measure. The Eagles may be like, oh, if Slater falls to us, like that'll be crazy. Uh, because I don't think that, that he's going to make it all the way down. If he does, uh, he's started his entire career at right tackle up until his senior year where he started at left tackle. Uh, so he's played both sides, which is nice. He would come in and it would immediately challenge for the starting left tackle job. And I know Eagles fans in general love Jordan Mailata. I love Jordan Mailata. Jordan's awesome dude. Uh, started, played better this year than I expected, played better this year than Andre Dillard has ever offered, is the leader in the clubhouse to take that role. I would not go so far as to say as a clear starting caliber player yet. Uh, and and it is nice to think that after a few years of development, he will continue to develop, but that unfortunately isn't always the case. So I do believe left tackle is a need for the Eagles. And I, I do believe that Rashawn Slater would come in, challenge for that job and win that job. So and a super important role, especially when you have a young quarterback you're hoping to develop, whether it's Jalen Hurts now or a different quarterback otherwise. Uh, he at left tackle is awesome for you. Slater does also bring, like you brought up, positional versatility. So let's say you get into camp and my lot is playing great and God forbid Brandon Brooks goes down again or or, or Isaac Samali goes down. Jason Kelsey's got one year left. When Kelsey retires, if Samali kicks into center, then you're going to need a guard. Slater was rumored to be a, a guard convert player because of arm length. He came in at 33 inches, which is typically the benchmark that we care about. We say if you're 33 inches and longer, you should be good at tackle. Uh, so I think he'll be fine at tackle no matter what. But because he has you know only 305 pounds, his measurements are similar to like a Joe Tooney, Ali Marpet sort of a body. Uh, these are really good guards in the league. And so conceivably he could kick into guard and play really well there. I do think though, he he's going to be really good at tackle. I don't think it's like an average tackle pro bowl guard situation. I think it's a good tackle, good guard situation. So it kind of just is however your best five ends up being as you continue to develop guys and hopefully lanes healthy and Brooks is healthy. So on and so forth, you adjust to the changes of a season. That versatility is nice. He's never taken a snap there, but he has a body type that lends itself to being able to play well there. I've seen some analysts even have him ranked above Sewell, who conversely, some people act like he's going to be a lock for the Hall of Fame in a way. Just the, the talent is oozing out of him, seems technically proficient, like exactly what you would want if you're taking a left tackle on the top 10 to kind of guide your franchise for the next 10 and maybe even 15 years. Do you have, how would you compare those two? Yeah, I have Sewell above Slater. Uh, is like Slater going to pass protect better against chase young in his senior year than Sewell would have last year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Slater did a really good job there. Slater's got, like you said, high technical prowess. That's legit. Uh, Sewell's a freak mover. Like Slater tested with better numbers, carrying 30 fewer pounds and Sewell's yeah. build is just unbelievable. Right. The way he's strapped together for an offensive lineman. He's, he looks like a supersized tight end. He's very, very impressive. I personally have it Sewell. And then I have Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC who's another, uh, he, he played guard for multiple seasons for the Trojans and then kicked a tackle this past year, was quite good at tackle. But he's much more so, yeah, he's going to go play guard in the league, whereas Slater, that was like when we were worried about his arm length. Now I think most people view him as a tackle. Uh, and so I personally have Vera Tucker ranked above Slater, just offensive lineman in general. Um, but if you're drafting for left tackle, which I think right now you'd circle as, as the position that has an immediate spot for a year one starter, uh, then you're taking probably Sl Slater over Vera Tucker. But for me, Sewell is is that guy. Sewell's a nuts mover. Uh, and there's the the what he was doing at 19 years old is just flat stupid. Uh, and so you want to get him in the building and work him for a rookie contract. He could be really, really good. As for some jersey number analytics, I think he can actually wear his collegiate number of 58 now, given that rule change. So Did I they think make changes to offensive line? 
I think they can go 50 to 79 oh. now. I like it. I'm, that, I'm he looked good in 58. Yeah, he looks he like a good 50. I think because he's such a good mover, right. the athleticism is there. He doesn't, he's not this, you know, I always think of 69 as this absurd number, like you're John Runyon, this old school right, yeah, loser, yeah. dirty player, but he seems like next generation. 58 makes you think of Trent Cole like right away. It'd be crazy yeah. for 58 to be Cole and then 58 to then be Sewell, an extra 100 pounds playing on the opposite side of the line. But that, that's what that's that's always come to mind with me when I think 58 for the Eagles. You think Vera Tucker could be in a play at 12? I did see a mock draft today from Good Morning Football's uh, Peter Schrager on NFL.com. I know this would infuriate Eagles fans everywhere. It was a trade from 12 down to 15. I think New England could be a target for the trade down, whether there's a quarterback there at mm-hmm. 12 they really like, or just some sort of scenario. The trade was pick 15 and 46 for 12, and New That's England moved deal. up. In, I think on the surface, yeah, but the end, New England goes up and grabs – Devontae Smith, which would, you know, and again, right. infuriate Eagles fans everywhere. And this Eagles moved down to 15 and they select Elijah Barrett Tucker from USC. How would you rate that deal if it happens? Yeah. So my, the, the question would have to be, do you guys think he can play tackle in, in the league? If so, then it's similar to taking Slater, just a different player. And it's a player that I really, really like. I, I thought he played much better at tackle than I anticipated. Uh, his biggest issues right now are very, easily ironed over issues you know what i mean like he's got bad snap timing you gotta learn how to read a cadence you know what i mean and like this is stuff that you expect him to be able to handle in your one that so i i i think if you think he can play tackle you like that if they're bringing him in to back up guard then there's a lot less potential of getting something year one out of him which you know we don't really expect the eagles to be very good in year one but still you'd like to be able to get your rookies out in the field to start that development process. You know, we always talk about how sitting rookies can be beneficial. Yeah. Getting them reps can be beneficial too. Eventually you got to go and, and play with some live bullets. Uh, and so and whether or not they would have that tackle or guard kind of changes that valuation for me. It's really interesting to me though, that Schrager who's typically pretty keyed in has the Eagles also being willing to take Vera Tucker. Cause I wouldn't be surprised if he heard something similar to what Kaplan heard, which is they love this guy. And it's a question of whether or not they'd actually be willing to take him at 12, who else on the board, so on and so forth. But the fact that it seems the Eagles are doing work on the top of the offensive line class is, in my opinion, meaningful. Regardless of like, which, which player it actually ends up being, that probably means that, yeah, they're going to make a, a trench pick, Harry Roseman, uh, sometime early. And we should be emotionally prepared for that. Yeah. I mean, it's an organizational philosophy that's extended the entire 21st century. I mean, they, they're still, Howie is still a disciple of the, the Reed Banner uh, philosophy and positional value spectrum. And the issue I would have potentially with taking Vera Tucker is that, again, what you said, if they view him as a guard, he might not be a contributor in year one. And that's okay if he's excellent. But to me, when it comes to non-premium positions, and we're talking about our quarterbacks, our offensive tackles, our defensive ends, and maybe even our receivers and cornerbacks. Those mm-hmm. types of players, if you're drafting them in the top two rounds or the top 50, 60, 70, whatever, those guys to me need to be day one contributors to right. warrant their where they're selected in the draft. Like Davion Terra last year was a third round pick. He was like a compensatory pick. I believe he was the He was like right around 100. Pick. Yeah, I think about 103, 100. Um, mm-hmm. So that's not like – you know, you're not expecting him to be a pro bowler, but a guy who played 32 defensive snaps last year at linebacker, a position obviously the Eagles might value less than long snapper to a certain degree there. So those are the types that of things where I see. That broke me, man. It broke me. We were we were talking through the Hurts thing in the Slack. It was me, BLG, and Kist. And I think John Stolness as well. And I literally just 
I sent in the Slack, there's a screenshot. I said, like, they're going to go and take Davian Taylor or something in the third round, and I'm going to quit. <laughs> it says something like that. And then fast forward to the third round, and there he is. Davian Taylor, baby. Yeah, so if they're taking a guard and he can't even play year one, to me, that's a thing where it's like, we're not you, taking yeah, he a better be talent. so good. He's, he better be. Like, he, if you're taking a, a, a guard in the top 15, 16, he needs to be Quentin Nelson-esque to me. He needs to be a guy, mm-hmm. Zach Martin-esque. I think Zach Martin went somewhere in the, like the 16 and 19 range. You know, theoretically, he could be Slater. That could be Vera Tucker. He could have that sort of impact. I think Quentin Nelson was a top six, seven, eight pick, so a little bit yeah, different there. Yeah, but it, to me, it, it's hard to quantify, especially for Eagles fans who dealt with, you know, maybe that was maybe the most embarrassing worst season in my, you know, 20-ish or so years as a fan, even the down years in 2015 with Chip or the last Andy year in 2012, there was there was hope on the horizon because there's still a lot of talent on the roster. Just, you know, things went wrong that specific year. But there isn't that type of juice this offseason, this this thought that the Eagles could get better. So if you're, you know, you just watched a, you know, agonizing 4-11 in one year just to come away with an offensive guard who's going to be, you know, a bench, you know, swing guard, you know, versatile backup year one kind of stinks. Yeah, I think that, like there's something to be said for like, you know, best player. Like if Vera Tucker is your top guy on your board and this offensive line is, is a critical position, you believe in having a deep offensive line, then okay. The tricky thing is Vera Tucker, like let's say we're talking at 12 or even at 15, like there's going to be other players that are probably consensus ranked higher. And it's not like the Eagles don't have major positions of need now. So it's not you have like like you're saying like the luxury of like we have high expectations for you so you can go and you can do this. No, it's like you know you really need a wideout, you really need a corner, you really need a safety, you really need a linebacker. Like these are all things. Uh, and so to take Vera Tucker would be to take make a huge bet on your scouting staff and your ability to evaluate players. In terms of teams who should not be taking that bet right now, the Eagles are right up there because for all the mess of like, oh, Rager was a coaching standing, then the Justin Jefferson, the coaches wanted him and everything, like all that nonsense. They, they don't have a good process right now. And so you don't want to be like leaving the, the pack, as it were. You don't want to be bifurcating off and being like, we're going to go be wiser than everybody else. You've not yet successfully done that in quite some time. Uh, so this is an opportunity to stay a little humbler and maybe make some chalky picks at some clear positions of need and just flat out get better. Because you haven't done that in ages. You haven't drafted good young players in a long time. You mentioned safeties. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this safety class? On the surface, it doesn't seem super strong. I am really, really in on uh, TCU's Trevon Morig. He doesn't seem like the guy who would go as early as 12, uh, specifically, specifically not to the Eagles in terms of their overall organizational philosophy. We talked about how much they want to build to the trenches and the glaring, glaring needs that receiver and cornerback may outweigh what they think they have at the safety position right now. But how do you view the safety class? Where do you think is a range the Eagles might take a safety? And do you think there's any way, you know, Maury could go into the top 15? Yeah, I like Trevon Merrick a ton. This is not a good safety class. He's a very good safety. In terms of yeah. like guys I've banged the table for, it's like Trevon and then a bunch of other dudes I'd be willing to take swings on. But like Merrick is good, good. Uh, I don't think he'll be on the board at 12. I don't think they'll take him at 12. I do think him low teens, or excuse me, late teens, uh, is where we start to talk about Merrick. You look at 17 to the Raiders, uh, 19 to the Washington football team. That's where we start to have that conversation. Uh, Jacksonville at 25, to me, 
Ravens at 27 feels like a floor. Uh, I would very much expect Merrick to be a first round pick, especially because the class is weak, but also he has the film and the athleticism to just bang, be, be a first rounder regardless. Uh, versatile, right? Deep to, to combo safety. So that's ideal. After that, it's not a good class. Uh, and so the Eagles are in a weird spot with safety. I could argue to you right now that safety is good. Ryan McLeod, Anthony Harris, Kayvon Wallace. I could also argue to you safety is very bad. McLeod's off of injuries. Harris on a one-year deal. Kayvon was a fourth-round pick last year, right? So they could take a safety at 37, and I'd be like, that makes sense. And they could not take a safety at all. And I'd be like, that also makes sense. I would understand both directions. What I do know is that when John Gannon was in Minnesota, they had two quality safeties. And when John Gannon was in Indianapolis, they didn't have any quality safeties, and they drafted two quality safeties, Kari Willis and Julian Blackman, both round three or later. I have a lot of faith in this defensive coaching staff to get safety right with whomever they've got in the building. I think that Harris will play and see significant snaps. I think that Kayvon's got a good opportunity on this coaching staff to become a good nickel player. They could still use another Harris-like player who can be deep half to box. So you have to have decent size, the ability to play the run at the second level, but then also influence deep routes from a split field. McLeod isn't a great projection for that because while he has the speed to do so, he's not really great coming down into the box, never has been, not that dense, and he's coming off of injury, so he's losing some explosiveness. I don't know how much faith you want to have in Rodney McLeod at this stage in his career. So Derek Forrest out of Cincinnati, Tyree Gillespie out of Missouri, Uh, round three, round four targets, good athletes, single high experience, but 200-plus pounds and the ability to play with size down to the box. Those are the sort of names that you start looking at. The only other interesting thing they might do is like supersized safety linebacker hybrid because they don't have anybody on the roster like that right now, unless you want to argue Davian Taylor is that because he plays at like 230 pounds. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but that's your divine Diablos and your Homs and Cyril Deans. They don't have anybody in cover tight end. Even if they like their safety class right now, their group, Harris, McLeod, and Wallace, none of them are cover tight end candidates. Harris kind of is, but he's never been good at it. Uh, linebacker. They don't have anybody. So again, unless you're going to argue Davian Taylor is going to be your, your tight end man cover guy, which, you know, God be with you if you do, uh, they don't have that player. And so maybe that's divine Diablo out of Virginia tech, Homs and a Dean out of Florida state, supersized tight end bodies who play on defense. I wouldn't be surprised if they made that pick, but I, I do think they've got a lot bigger needs than like finding that role player on defense. They need actual starters at this point. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
it's pretty on brand for me. And I know a lot of people to say they don't want a linebacker in round one. And I, I adhere to that philosophy. But I think this is the year, given that they have three day two picks. They have a lot of picks next year. They have a lot of depth in this draft. And even though Alex Singleton was a nice story last year, Eric Wilson's here on year deal might be a nice stopgap option. I would still be comfortable taking a linebacker on day two, maybe even as high as 37. What do you think about that? Do you think that's realistic? Do you think the Eagles would do that? And you know, who would right. your target be at 37 or 70 or even 84? I honestly, I thank goodness for being an Eagles fan because I talk about the draft a lot. And in theory, I very much agree with like, you don't want to be spending premium picks at linebacker. And so I go and I talk about other teams and their needs. And I say like, we don't want to be spending premium picks at linebacker. And then I return to my Eagles fandom and I look at the team and I'm like, man, I wish they'd spent a freaking premium pick on a linebacker. And it reminds me that like, eventually at some point you have to get good players on the field. And I love to talk about this in terms of general managing in general, like the number one job of a general manager, keep your job. Everybody, every general manager is oriented on job security. That's why Harry Roseman is still around. You know what I mean? They're all trying to keep their jobs. Number two job is to just get good players on the football field. Uh, and this yeah. is where, for all of his demeanor, uh, Dave Gettleman has a nugget of wisdom. Gettleman is good at finding good ball players. He evaluates well. Uh, valuation and not trading and over-investing in the defensive line. Like All these are conversations. But he identifies good players. You have to be able to put good players on the field. The Eagles... Everybody loved to talk about like Jim Schwartz, especially after he retired, like, oh, the Eagles defense by DVOA and this and that and the retired. other thing. Right. Retired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, Jim Schwartz, such a good DC. Schwartz just said, I'm not going to get any good linebackers. And whenever he faced a good offense, the good offense was like, I'm going to make you pay for that. And that happened for four years. You know what I mean? Good teams played the Eagles, took advantage of their linebackers, scored 28 points. So you got to put a good player out there. It's a good linebacker class with a ton of different body types. The Eagles should be interested in spending a day two pick on linebacker. They did it last year, Davian Taylor's. You know it's possible. They're going to prioritize really, really good athletes, uh, of which there are not a ton in this class that are going to make it to day two. But if you get your Baron Brownings out of Ohio State or Pete Werner's out of Ohio State, uh, these guys are options on day two. I'd like to see them make the pick, and it's the weakest position on their depth chart. I don't have a ton of faith because they never have. Uh, but it at some point, you have to. And they kind of did it with Davian Taylor. It's not really going to work, in my opinion. Uh, so we'd like to see him do it again. What do you think of Jabril Cox? He seems to be a favorite of Eagles fans, especially yeah. got that. I know he I know he comes from North Dakota State, and that has its own can of worms. But he mm-hmm. did play in the SEC last year, and you know any player that played at Alabama or LSU in the SEC in general defensively, you know, is going to be a target for you know fans for any team. Right. Not for high Roseman, SEC players, but yeah, general okay. fan, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, they're allergic to drafting Alabama players. Yeah, it's um. I like getting, I like talking about Jabril Cox on podcasts because then I can like say irresponsible things and nobody can find the tweet. Uh, and so Jabril Cox, in terms of man coverability, like cover a tight end, unbelievable film, ludicrous. I don't know why he's like a linebacker who knows how to play press coverage, but he is. No, I don't, I have no idea how he learned this, but he, he does it and he does it extremely well. There's going to be an early drafted tight end that comes out next year named Jalen Weidermeyer out of Texas A&M. Uh, and Cox bottled him up four quarters. Beautiful game. Zone coverage. And not so much. We're still learning. Uh, we're, we're still feeling out routes, learning how to recognize stuff that's developing behind us, right? It, it, it's a process that we have to become habituated to. And especially seeing that jump from North Dakota State to SEC play, offenses are a lot more dynamic throwing the ball. Athletes are a lot different. That zone coverage was a struggle. So I love Jabril Cox as a coverage linebacker. You would need to get him in man in year one, and he needs more work 
uh, uh, in zone over time. Can he play all three downs? Definitely not year one. Hopefully year two, year three. Needs to become more dense, needs to become more willing playing through contact. And again, we don't often see players go from FCS to SEC, but predictably when it happened, uh, he had to become accustomed to a higher level of physicality very quickly. So you, you a little bit know what he is and know what he isn't. And so I, I think that there's a chance another team overdrafts Jabril Cox. I would not want him top 50, top 55. But once okay. we start getting into round three, which is like role player area, man cover over tight ends, Jabril Cox, year one, we should be comfortable with that. So I'd like Jabril Cox at price. It seems like he wouldn't really be in play then at 37, given that if he can't be a three down player right away. Again, mm-hmm. that's a situation where I'm talking about positional value. If a guard can't start year one, I don't get the pick at a, at a premium uh, yes. selection. And then there's also the situation where if he just excels in, in man and is really still getting his feet wet when it comes to zone, uh, you know, if you're just, you want to get the best talent possible when you're getting these positions that you might value less than, again, the premium positions, your, mm-hmm. your guards, your, your linebackers, you want someone who's a system fit so they can contribute as uh, immediately as soon as possible. So that could be a situation where it seems like Cox, might not be the best fit defensively with what Jonathan Gannon right. wants to run. I think your linebacker board at 37 is Baron Browning and, and Pete Werner, both of whom are out of Ohio State. They The athletes are sort of Eagles, the Eagles like. They have multiple years of starting experience, which the Eagles care about. Power 5 program, both projected good coverage players in the league. Pete Werner is going to be more so your Mike role. Uh, Baron Browning would be more so your Sam role. So the role Camus Grugier-Hill played, kind of the role Gennard Avery played, but not really. Uh, also how much the Eagles value the Sam position. So Sam strong side linebacker, sometimes play off ball, sometimes rotate onto line of scrimmage, not an important player in Jim Schwartz's defense, much more important player in a Mike Zimmer defense, which remember Gannon was originally a Zimmerite. And then he went with Eberflus in Indianapolis. So if they prioritize Sam Baron Browning, Ohio state, that's a player to watch. I'm into it. I'm into it. He's fun. He's a good film. Watch. Don't watch the national championship. Watch another game. Okay. Uh, I don't want to keep you up too much of your time. I know you're good. You're the busy, you're the busy guy draft season. So what do you think happens at 12? Stay at 12, trade up, trade down. Obviously there's a million variables that go into this. Mm-hmm. Let's have some fun and get your prediction for what happens. One week from today, we're recording this about three o'clock Thursday afternoon for you. Those of you who aren't watching live on YouTube, but again, if you're listening to this in podcast feed, go check us out on YouTube, watch the video. I look so handsome in this. You need to, you need to check it out. Okay. I really like, I've yet to like decide on what I really think is happening. Um, I think they move out of the spot. I think there's at least one quarterback still left, which means that there's going to be interest in the spot. Uh, and I think that, that there's a clear recognition of a multiple year horizon here for the Eagles. Uh, and so while I've heard the top 10 rumors, I'm not sure what they would benefit from that unless they are actually willing to get a quarterback, which if they traded out of six, to go to 12, to go to nine, to go get a quarterback. That's extremely messy process. It would be a great it's result. The worst process, worst process and, of all time. Right. I was if thinking about fall that today. Backwards and do and a good quarterback. I will be stunned. Um, but so I, I think move back. I, I think they're out of the spot. They could move up. I think move back is likely. And then, yeah, I think they're going to make a trench pick to be very honest with you. I think they're going to try to go for a class that seems consensus wide receiver is deep and corner is deep. Uh, and they've typically tried to play that game, sometimes with success, sometimes not. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a trench pick. If they move back, especially, they're going to be moving back into the thick of the edge class. Uh, edge is not great, top 10, top 12, but you start to get 
outside of the, the or into the late teens, that's where your quitty pay out of Michigan, your Jalen Phillips out of Miami becomes a more reasonable selection. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if they make that pick. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a fun day one. I don't have a lot of hope. Who do you think could be the uh, team that moves up? New England seems like a logical choice, given that they're. Yeah. You know, that's not really a Bill Belichick thing to 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 move up that type of way to be giving up this extra draft capital to me. But again, they're a team that is in mm-hmm. flux. They have these stopgap options, but they really do need to address that situation. If if Bill and Josh McDaniels are enamored with Mac Jones, or you know, just say Justin Fields falls, that seems a logical target. Maybe Chicago at twenty. I know they say they signed yep. Andy Dalton, but you know, going up and getting another quarterback could actually. You know, we talked that with Howie Rose extending his job and that job security going up and trading for another young quarterback could extend you know ryan pace's uh job security there so that seems like a logical yeah chicago new england for sure the other one is arizona but this is not going to make people happy because if arizona's trading up it's for a wide receiver so if they're trading up with the eagles means the eagles are trading back out of a wide receiver pick uh i don't i don't know i have no source I don't yeah. think the, I don't think Devonte Smith will be a player the Eagles wants. I don't think they'll want to draft the 166 pound wide receiver. So if like he's there, I'm not sure they'd make that pick altogether. Uh, and especially if another team's calling up for him, they might trade out of the pick, which would make for an, an explosive Thursday evening. <laughs> it's going to be a rough Thursday. I think what I was excited about in drafting six, especially whether we're doing a live show something along those lines besides just you know following it and watching it as a fan was like you're ripping the band-aid off early you know within the first hour of the show or calling it a show hour of the draft as you're watching it on tv or streaming it or whatever you know what the eagles did you know what i mean like you can you can start making your peace with it as the night goes on but if you move down to 12 and then you move down again to 20 it's an agonizing wait it is especially if you're getting another cd lamb drop on somebody and you're just sitting there knowing someone's gonna snipe them CD Lamb hurt, man. That was a tough one to watch. <laughs> yeah, if you're moving down to 15 to take Vera Tucker or Quiddy Pay, I think if you're an Eagles fan, I'm, I understand going edge. It's really hard for me to have qualms with taking an offensive tackle or, or defensive end. As much as I love the idea of adding Jalen Water or Devontae Smith to this offense, mm-hmm. or uh, I'm really into the feistiness of J.C. Horn, all of those things. You've seen the Eagles win for two decades with strong trench play. I get it but I think yep. it'll make a lot of Eagles fans uh, pretty antsy uh, if they actually move down. Not only do they just stay picked, stay put and take an edge rusher, but move down once again and take a guy that they only heard about, you know, two or three months ago. Yeah. The, the, the prayer is they try to trade back and they can't, and they're stuck drafting like Patrick Sertan or Jalen Waddle. Oh, darn. How unfortunate. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> That's um, the hope, baby. <laughs> Real quick on the corners, we can finish up with this. Who's the better fit mm-hmm. for Jonathan Gannon's defense? I know we talked a little bit about this on Twitter and stuff like that, but to the world at large, how do you view them as fits in Jonathan Gannon's defense? For what we think the defense is going to be, i.e. Indianapolis-inspired, Patrick Sertan, more experience in zone, more experience in off-cover alignments, both project as good transition players. Sertan, I think, we uh, Horn might be better because we've seen Sertan do it, but Sertan's solid. If we're talking more Mike Zimmer, we're talking more, uh, you know, like like less scheme fit, more like philosophy fit, where Everflus was all about no loafing, oh, big tackles, hustle, go, 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 JC Horn. Every defensive coach in the entire world is going to love JC Horn. And the Matt Everflus's of the world are the most defensive coaches of defensive coaches. Yeah. And so they're going to love JC Horn for that reason. So scheme is Sertan, but I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they would like Horn better because of the philosophy of the play style and the demeanor. Uh, you just watch. 
you know, Nick Sirianni during a press conference and you're like, yeah, he's going to love JC Horn. They're both tryhards, oh you know, they're kind of amped up dudes. Uh, so yeah, I think they get more scheme fits more like, like uh, 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 there's good scheme fits for them at like 37. Asante Samuel yeah. Jr. I'm all in. Please, Asante Samuel okay. Jr. Yes. I, I'm, I prioritize ball skills for defensive backs more than anything. That's my number one thing. I think you need players. We talk about game records along the defensive line. I think that's the only way you can be mm-hmm. a true transforming the presence in the modern NFL with how everything is geared towards offensive play is forcing turnovers deep. And forcing turnovers short, which is what his pops did. Yeah, yeah, then, spent, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Pick six like, territory. Right, absolutely. And because that's big, right, right. Like the ability to close downhill and take and get a pick means we're not giving the ball back to our offense. We're going to go score six by ourselves, which is a very, very big deal. Uh, so I like corners who can play deep, absolutely play the ball in the air, get pass breakups, get interceptions deep. But if you can bait shallow throws and then take them away, that's bigger money. Uh, and that's Asante Samuel. Yeah, I got the, uh, I'm on the reverse. Got the Patrick Robinson uh i'm on the reverse camera so i never know which way to right don't know which stuff, way to push but, it but exactly, you could yeah. see you could see it behind me uh mm-hmm. just for your consideration and the way i think of jc horn is if you took jalen mills energy and personality and brain and attitude and put it in all pro cornerbacks body right and, and the thing is he tested very 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 well that's what uh, i mean he's if, yeah. yeah if the thing is that makes horn more interesting and more more of a potential uh i remember like a few weeks ago i was like yo like the eagles would take horn above sertan if you were on the board i think that at the time people weren't really there and i think now we're getting closer to that they already have darius slay and so i think even if they want to be a heavy like cover two matt everfluss zone team their current corner one doesn't have a ton of experience doing that and so if they're already accepting in the building hopefully that they're gonna just play more true man than they would usually he makes more sense on a short-term horizon. If they're drafting long-term horizon, it doesn't matter as much because uh, you don't think Slay is going to be on their long-term horizon. So if they're going to like, all right, we can get Horn, we can get Slay, and we can just play man, and we can get some really good coverage reps, they're not wrong because uh, Horn's about as, as rock-steady in press coverage as we see come out of the college level, and then that's where Slay excels. Uh, so you can get strong with that quick. It's just, you know, is the rest of your team going to be able to be strong with it as well? All right. Ben? Closing up, anything to plug? I know you're doing literally everything under the sun. This is the biggest week of your your career yearly. So anything coming up on the draft network in the next six, seven days, we should be on the lookout for. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be live for all the draft weeks. So starting Monday when you're at work, flick us on You know, at the draft network. We're going to be popping off, doing some weird stuff, having a good time. It's, it's a fun week. So we want to get uh, all the content that we can. What time so each day? Uh, I think we start at nine Eastern. Don't quote me on that. Um, but we're we're pretty much gonna be streaming for the whole day, uh, and oh, so awesome. we're gonna be around. Yeah, we're gonna be around when people are around. Which there's more news about that coming out soon. Uh, so the draft cool. network uh, on socials. And then I'm at Benjamin Solak, and everything I do goes through there. Yeah, uh, just for our loyal BGN listeners, we do those live locker room shows. Use the locker room at me and BLG do those weekly. Uh, it's not 100% set in stone, but I believe Saturday morning, 11 a.m. We will be doing one live on the locker room app. Please join us. It's a ton of fun. It's honestly, I do a lot of sports related jobs. I'm a full time freelance guy. Those locker room shows are the favorite, my favorite thing I do every week. So check it out there. Uh, we will have an official post on the bleedinggreennation.com website, though, when we set it in stone the time. Probably look for that later tonight on Thursday. You might be listening on Friday. Whatever it is, check us out on there. Have a lot of fun. Make sure you follow Ben and you know, we'll talk next week. I'll do a little draft preview show 
on Wednesday, just getting ourselves amped up. I'm moving next week. Like my lease starts on Saturday and I start moving stuff in like during the day on Thursday and Friday. I didn't know you're moving. That's fun. I'm going to be in like, I'm still living in Philadelphia. I don't don't want to get people to get freaked out that, uh, that I, I don't think I'm legally allowed to. What I say is I've never been longer out of city limits than seven days. I'm going to trip to Disney world. It's legit, you know, Charlie Kelly on always sunny territory. Someone who obviously went to high school here. I went to college here, live here now. Right. But I will be doing a lot of stuff during the day, but I will be on Twitter. And I think we will have a lot of podcasting and video work going on both Thursday and Friday night. And then I'll be around all day Saturday for day three of the draft as, you know, I'm screaming for them to take Jalen Darden from North Texas or something insane like that. I'd like Jalen. I, I want my, my like the joke I have is I want to draft like Jalen Waddle and as many Jalen's as possible and then trade up for Jalen Phillips. Cause I want to like make a shirt. We don't do a lot of shirts on BGM, but I actually like, I'm not the graphic design guy, but I'm the idea guy. I want to have a shirt that's like, you know, like the Beatles, Paul and John right. and Ringo. I want like Jalen and Jalen and Jalen and Jalen, but it's and all, but they're all, all the four different spellings plus like Jalen hurts and Rager had spelled the same way. So right. that's no, my I'd dream it, situation. It's it. the money maker. That's the money maker right there. But again, closing up, be sure to leave us a review, five-star review, whatever podcast platform you're using. Be sure to follow me and Ben on social media at Seamus on this Clancy on Twitter and Instagram. And also follow the BGN Instagram that I run at Bleeding Green Insta. We'll be doing a ton of stuff there this upcoming week. Talk to you all later. Keep bleeding green. If you're watching live on YouTube, we both really appreciate that. I want to do more video content, so thank you there. And if you're listening on the replay, be sure to check me out on here next week. Talk to you.